Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, hello. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Live Your Personal Best. Today's episode is a part three of our plant-based eating series talking with Jenny, who is a vegetarian athlete. She is a backpacker, and throughout her entire training and long hikes, she was vegetarian. And I specifically wanted to bring her on today because, you know, from an outside perspective, we can talk about is it beneficial or not to go plant-based. We can talk with the experts, but Jenny is someone who is living it, is training it, is seeing it in her performance. So I wanted to talk to her about kind of the complications, the struggles she goes through when trying to be vegetarian training athlete. And also she did make the choice to not completely eat vegetarian anymore. She started adding back in some animal products. So I wanted to talk about that with her today and the why behind that too. And if you are new to this series, then welcome. The point of this series for March of plant-based eating isn't to convince you to go plant-based, isn't convincing you to, you know, give up animal protein or completely switch your diet, but I think that it's just interesting to learn more about how and why we eat, the impact that it makes on our performance, on our health, on the environment, and then you know, just give you some food for thought in case it is something that you ever think of trying down the line or wanted to explore more of. Those are the questions that we have been answering with this series. So as I mentioned, this is number three. Week one, we talked to environmentalist Isolde about it. Week two, we talked with a registered dietitian. And now we're at week three. So thanks for tuning in. I hope that you enjoy. What's up and welcome to the Live Your Personal Best podcast. This is the place where I help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life. I'm your host, Emily Kaufman, a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Hey, Jenny, I'm so excited that you're joining us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'd love to start off with getting to know a little bit more about you and your background. How did you start hiking? Was it something that you fully jumped into? Have you always been a hiker? What did that look like? Yeah, so I did not grow up outdoorsy at all. Um, I hadn't really experienced, growing up in Los Angeles, I didn't really experience snow until I was about 19 years old. So I fell into hiking because the guy I was dating in college 
wanted to go camping and I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but kept changing the itinerary and then decided to take me on a backpacking trip, which was to Mount Whitney, which is the highest point in the lower 48 states. It's at 14,505 feet and it's not an easy hike. It's like 22 miles round trip, like 7,000 feet of elevation gain. It's a hike. And um, I had no, I didn't even Google it. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was just like, I'm going to follow this cute boy up a mountain. And so I did. And um, I did not make it to the summit. It hailed. I didn't have a jacket because it was August in California. And I'm thinking, I'm from Southern California. It's hot in August. I didn't know anything about mountain weather or anything about that. Um, My backpack was insanely heavy. Um, I was cold all night. I had altitude sickness all night. It was just, it was a disaster. But in that moment, I woke up at like two in the morning, got out of my tent and it happened to be a full moon. And the peaks around me were glowing under the moonlight and I was just hooked, even in all that misery in that moment. And so, but I was still in college. I didn't really have time to devote to training the way I needed to. So I did a lot of road trips. I explored different parts of California. And then when I graduated college, I, you know, finally had time and I was working a nine to five job, which is something I had wanted and I was really motivated to. But when I I had put it up on a pedestal and put a lot of my self-worth onto my job. And when I wasn't getting that fulfillment out of my full-time job, I was actually let go out of for my first full-time job, which was soul crushing and devastating, especially when you put so much of your self-worth on that. And I, you know, a friend reminded me, you wanted to go back and hike Whitney and you wanted to finish that. So you have time now. Why don't you devote time to that? And she's like a light bulb went off in my head. And I just threw myself into training and trying to learn all the things about hiking and backpacking. I made a ton of mistakes. Um, I like started going solo because I got tired of waiting for someone to go with me. And it just snowballed to where I am today. That's awesome. I was going to ask, like, if you had been back, how was it going the second time? Yes. So it took me three tries before I finally made it to the top. The second time was that year I really devoted towards backpacking. But again, I got altitude sickness. I didn't quite realize that you have to acclimate before you do this. So I drove up, slept for two hours and started hiking and I got sick around 12,000 feet. And I was by myself too. It was a solo day hike. So I'm like, yeah, I should probably turn around. And so then the third time, this was 2018, where I finally made it to the top. Um, I started hiking 2014, finally made it to top 2018 to give you some frame of reference. But I did it at the end of the High Sierra Trail, which is 72 miles. And it runs from Sequoia National Park all the, in the west, all across the Sierra Nevada mountain range and ends on Mount Whitney in the east. Because um, I figured, you know what, I've got altitude sickness, spend seven days in the wilderness, at least I'll be acclimated. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, it felt great being on top. But honestly, looking back on it, and even in that moment, even though what got me through those seven days was I'm gonna finally make it to the top of this. It was who I became on that journey on those seven days in the wilderness and to where even though I've been to the top and that was my big goal and that you know Whitney's still my story I love this mountain like it's it's a gorgeous hike but to this day what I remember from that is not about standing on the summit it's about the entire journey there and the mental toughness I had to overcome to even get there 
Yeah, no, I mean, you spent a lot longer working towards that than I think a lot of people would, or even the fact that you went back after being thrown into it the first time. Um, But I'd love to get talking to is I know that when we first connected, you mentioned that you used to be a vegetarian and that you used to be a vegetarian while you were training for these big hikes. So what did that journey look like? How long had you been a vegetarian? Did you start that before after hiking? Kind of what's that timeline? Yeah, I became a vegetarian in high school. Um, I was like 15. I was really into animal rights. I still am. I'm not as active in it anymore as I used to be. But in high school at an animal rights club, um, my first few you know jobs in college, like they were internships, were for animal rights nonprofits. So I was like really invested in that world. And um, that's why I became vegetarian was because I couldn't, it was for moral reasons. Um, I couldn't justify eating animals and then knowing what I was knowing and doing what I was doing. And so I was still a vegetarian when I um, started hiking. I was a vegetarian for eight years, maybe nine years. I eat seafood now and chicken, and I still try to do it vegetarian when I can. But um, yeah, when it came to training, I was really into fitness in high school. Like when I turned 16, I really, I got my car and I was like, I really want to go to the gym. I really want to, you know, train and just get fit. And, you know, your car gives you that little bit of freedom that you finally have. And where I grew up, you couldn't really take public transportation. You can really walk anywhere. So having that car was really the only way, any sort of freedom. So I started um, training and I started working out and I got, you know, really into the fitness side as well of like understanding how and being a vegetarian, it kind of goes hand in hand with understanding nutrition, which was a learning curve. The first year I was vegetarian, I did not really understand how to feed myself. I ate a lot of carbs, a lot of mac and cheese, a lot of rice, things like that, until I finally understood okay, here are the different po- protein sources, and how can I get enough protein? Let's incorporate, you know, veggies, or let's look at our amino acids, let's learn to read labels. So becoming vegetarian really goes hand in hand with nutrition and understanding how to fuel your body. And when you're training and focusing on your fitness, and at that moment in time, I was just training just to train just more for aesthetics than I do now you know then you you need to make sure you're eating enough protein so when I started training for hiking you know it that kind of transitioned into making sure that you know I'm eating enough protein I'm fueling my body when I'm on the trail am I fueling my body enough to make sure I can sustain my body for this duration and oftentimes as a hiking coach what I see is people think with, you know, I have people who come into my community as keto or vegetarian or vegan or gluten-free and just like in the real world, sure, options can be a little bit more limited, but they think it's impossible to get out there with their dietary restrictions or choices. And I think you can go hiking and backpacking and train regardless of your diet. It's just a matter of understanding nutrition so that you can feel your body. Yeah. Did you find it hard at all in order to get enough protein or enough calories and all of that when training? Or once you understood the nutrition behind it, did you think that it was pretty easy to make swaps? Protein, definitely. I mean, part of that is just a personal because like, I would rather eat pasta personally and broccoli all day over eating any sort of protein, even like to this day. I, you know, struggle with that. But what really helped me at first, and I'm not one for like counting calories or macros, but just when starting, it really helped me just to count protein macros, just to make sure I was getting enough. 
to where I needed to be to make sure my body's getting strong. When it comes to backpacking on the trail, I actually do factor in calories because I'm burning 4,000 calories a day easy. That is double what I burned, you know, at home, just even with working out, just because you're moving for eight hours a day, you've got a heavier pack on you. You know, you're, you're burning so much that you need to be eating pretty calorie dense food in order to sustain yourself. And with hiking, I do factor in macros. I don't count them, but I factor them in when I hike because carbs give you quick release energy. Fats give you sustained energy and protein helps your body recover. So when I'm backpacking and hiking, I really focus on, you know, am I getting enough carbs in my diet to make sure that I'm sustaining myself, especially and fats, especially because that is sustained energy. So I'm eating things like nut butters and, you know, adding like coconut oil to my morning oatmeal or, you know, things like that where I can. um, And then like peanut M&Ms even where it's still a nut, it still has, you know, those healthy fats in there. Um, And then having some sort of protein, like jerky is a good one. Um, There, there is vegan jerky. So that is an option that when I was a vegetarian, that's what I used to do quite a bit. Well, still do because, you know, salmon jerky is kind of (laughs) gross, but making sure that, you know, at night I'm having meals with a ton of protein to help my body recover. One thing I did notice is sometimes at the end of a hike, you're just so exhausted. You're like, I just want to get to sleep. I don't want to deal with eating. And on nights when I didn't eat, I would just be miserable the next day. Like I would just have no energy because while you're sleeping, your body's replenishing your energy stores so that the next day you have the energy to continue on. Yeah. It's so interesting talking to a backpacker because thinking about it, it's like, oh yeah, all of this stuff has to be so thought about because it has to be in your backpack or you're not going to be able to eat it, right? Like you don't want to fill up the backpack with carbs and then get out on the trail and be like, oh, I really wish I had something else. So that's so interesting, you know, just the amount of thought and energy that has to go into your planning with that. Especially for longer backpacking trips, when I do stuff that's like five plus days, having to really say that, okay, what are my snacks? How am I going to ration this? Is this enough food? Is this too much food? What are going to be my breakfast, lunches, and dinners? And, you know, bringing a little bit extra. There's this thing called, or concept called hiker hunger, um, where, you know, the first few days you might not be hungry and then it just hits you and you want to eat everything in sight. And it's, it's the hardest not to eat everything in your backpack in one sitting. And then you get back into civilization. And for like two days, you just eat everything in sight. Oh, yeah. Because I'm sure your body's just used to go, go, go and just burning so much. Yeah. That you're just trying to find that equilibrium of just like feed your feed yourself. So it's it's an f- interesting concept. So I always try to like factor that in. But then you have moments where you're like, I'm not hungry. I'm tired. And you just got force feed yourself. Yeah, definitely. And so... What do you think was like the hardest part about being a vegetarian with backpacking and training and just being an athlete in general? I think it's just finding the type of like protein, especially, I mean, everyone's going to be selective, right? Some people enjoy beans. Some people don't. I like, I call it veggie meat, you know, meatless meat. I I like veggie meat, for example, but finding, you know, backpacking veggie meat is hard or vegetarian meals with a ton of protein for the trail for at home. It's just making sure that I'm actually 
being mindful that I'm eating enough protein and eating protein after, you know, working out, I believe it's within 40 minutes of exercising. If you're trying to build strength and muscle that you should be eating some sort of protein. Um, so making sure I was incorporating that and just understanding, I think nutrition, because it's easy when you're, you know, you grow up, not a vegetarian and you just, just eat, like it's just food. It's just there in front of you. And usually things work out, but when you become a vegetarian, like that first year, even though I was 15, I gained a ton of weight because I did not, you know, know how to feed myself correctly. And my folks did not understand how to be a vegetarian. This was like, we don't know how to feed you. We don't know what to do with you. So I had to kind of learn that nutritional aspect to make sure that what I was feeding myself and how I was feeding myself was going to be make, I was going to make my body stronger. Um, So you almost become a nutritionist for yourself. Yeah. You become more aware of what you're eating and yeah, definitely have to find that balance. And so you had mentioned it before too, you know, now you're eating fish and you're eating chicken occasionally. What led you to decide to start adding those back in? When I travel, I tend to be kind of in middle of nowhere situations um, where I'm in small little towns uh, or, you know, other countries where, you know, being a vegetarian is harder. It's not impossible. I have traveled internationally as a vegetarian, but it is a lot harder. And like, I went to places like Japan and I wanted to be able to really experience the culture. So that was kind of the decision factor was just how much more I was traveling and wanting to make that easier on myself. Yeah. So it allowed you to be a little bit more flexible with having that. Yeah. Cause like, especially if you're middle of nowhere, like, you know, the places I hike and backpack they're you're driving to middle of nowhere. And, you know, my food options used to be like, it'd be a salad and then you're hungry 30 minutes later, you know, versus something like fish sticks, at least, you know, it gives you some sort of protein and you can bring food with you. And I do, but you know, you're leaving the trail, you're starving, you're, you know, nearest food option. You still have to drive an hour just to get to your nearest food option. And then it's another like five hours to get home. It's, and then of course, this depends where you live. This is in California and places like that where, or even some places in Utah, um, are like that. So it depends where you live, but what I, that's what I was experiencing. So it was a personal choice to kind of start incorporating that back into my diet. Yeah, no, definitely. Especially I bet with like fast food places on road trips and just trying to find stops. And, you know, another one of the guests that I brought on, she's vegan and we're talking more like the morals and ethics around it. And, you know, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, it's not that I don't like vegan food and it's not that I don't like vegetarian food, but it's just always so much harder to find at restaurants or, you know, like the convenience factor of it is huge into deciding what I eat. What's crazy to me is because I was, what year was it when I became vegetarian? I don't even know. It was like 2010, something like that. So it's been like over 10 years since I you know, was originally a vegetarian and how many more options are available today than there were when I first started, when I first started vegan cheese was not an option. Vegan meat there, there was very few and select and they were very gross. There were like alternative milks. You had like soy milk. And if that gave you stomach problems, well, then that's your only option. Enjoy that. Vegan ice cream was not a thing. And it's just so cool. Like I go to Whole Foods now and there's like 
options and options and options of vegan meats and vegan ice creams and alternative milks like almond and coconut and hemp and, you know, rice and oat. I don't know. It's just so cool to see the expansion or even in restaurants. When I first started, have fun eating in most places. Like I would go to places. um, I know this is a chain in California, veggie girl, like they're hundred percent like vegan um, and places like that. But when going out with friends who weren't vegan or vegetarian, trying to eat in restaurants used to be so hard versus today. Like I could, I still primarily eat vegetarian when going out. So it's just been, it's cool to see that transition of more options today from, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, no, we're definitely, you know, trending in that direction or at least making the options available. I'd love to hear more about how your relationship with food and eating has changed throughout all this. Oh, that's great. Um, So I used to have an eating disorder. I grew up and a very poor relationship with my body. And I mean, this is a lifelong thing to overcome, but I grew up dancing ballet. I grew up, you know, during, you know, where models were all Photoshopped and, you know, those unrealistic beauty standards. I was really into reading magazines. I loved them. So, you know, I was consuming all of this information of what my body should look like even as a child. And then, you know, you go to ballet class and you're being poked and prodded, which I love ballet as an art, definitely not healthy in terms of your relationship with food and your body. So naturally that was my narrative um, growing up. So, you know, you hit puberty, your body starts putting on weight naturally. Then you start getting made fun of a little bit at school. And so um, kids started making fun of me. So then you start de- developing the story that you need to be in a smaller body and that your body's not enough and that you start hating your body and nitpicking things. So then when I, that's kind of where um, working out fell into that when I got my license was, okay, now I have freedom to go to the gym every single day and to change my body. So as opposed to, so it just, it didn't help my relationship with food because I gave up carbs and sweets for like over a year trying to like lose weight and get skinny. And if, I mean, I got fit, so that helped, but like in terms of a fitness level, but in terms of my relationship to food and my body, that was not a healthy place to be. And then of course you start incorporating that stuff back into your diet, you instantly gain weight. And so then it was like this constant battle. And then what that's actually something hiking really helped me with was when I really got into those harder hikes and backpacking trails, I realized like I'm standing on top of a mountain. It doesn't matter what my pan size is. It doesn't matter, you know, if I had chocolate today or I didn't have chocolate or if I have stomach fat or not, or any of these things that you nitpick about yourself at home, it doesn't matter. Your body just got you up a mountain and carried everything you need to survive to the top. That's an amazingly empowering place to be. And so hiking really helped me shift that narrative, especially the more I was going, the more I was like, okay, your body's freaking amazing. Like stop hating on yourself. And I guess And of course you come home, you get bombarded with ads, you go to the mall and well, if anyone still goes to the mall, but, and you know, the narrative starts in your head. And I kind of really, I got to a place where I really was tired of hating myself and hating my body because it's like, you get one, you don't get to go to the store and change it like you do for another pair of shoes. If it doesn't fit and you don't like it, this is the body you're in. And yes, you can make it strong to, and 
train in a way that allows you to do things that you want to do, whether you want to be a runner and run marathons, or you want to climb mountains or be a swimmer, whatever those activities look like for you, which is amazing. Our bodies really can handle quite a bit. And I know we're all told that we're very fragile. We can be, but I feel like, you know, there really is an amazing place of like having that control over your body and having your body be in a place where you can, it can support the activities you want to do. Um, so finally, it just kind of hit me with like, I don't want to continue like this, you know, in my head of constantly nitpicking myself, constantly hating myself and being at war with myself. And I guess I'd look back at pictures, like even a couple of years ago when, you know, naturally you gain weight as you get older and I was skinnier and I'm like, And I remember in that moment thinking I was like fat or overweight. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? You know, like you wasted so much time, not wearing the clothes you want to wear or doing activities or just being present because you were worried that your pant size is a little bit too big, you know? So that really started to shift the narrative in my head. Yeah, no, it's awesome that hiking did that for you. And it kind of brought me back. I can relate a lot because my first ever blog, it was called Go Take It Outside because, you know, I was struggling with those same feelings of being so nitpicking over myself. But the second I realized, you know, I stepped away from the ads and the social media and I got fresh air, you know, like that's kind of what solved all my problems. And so that's funny that you're mentioning like the M&Ms too, because you know, if I'm sitting at a desk all day and I just have this bowl of M&Ms, I'm like nitpicking, you know, how much I'm eating and I'm just sitting there. But you know, if you're out and about and you're walking, you're like, I don't care. You know, like I'm doing an enjoyable activity. I'm like, my body's working for me. I've accomplished all this. And so I love that like hiking has done that for you. Yeah. And it's just releasing that guilt around allowing myself to eat. Cause it's like, you know, and I mean, I love kale, so no hate on kale, but like you can eat all the kale salads in the world, but you know, out there you need more than kale in order to make sure you survive because if you do nothing but eat kale and celery you that's not enough energy in order to get you anywhere so you know having to release that like it's okay for me to eat candy when I'm on the hike it's and it's okay for me to eat candy when I'm at home and it's okay for me to eat whatever I want out there I mean sure like if something gives you a stomach ache don't eat it you know like there's certain foods that will give me a stomach ache whether it's on the trail or not, just don't incorporate those in my diet. And that's okay. But I think it's, you know, giving yourself permission to enjoy life. Yeah, no, I love that. You're like, I found like this joy for life out there on the trail. And then you're able to bring that back into your day to day. It took a minute. Is I mean, this is a, it's a work in progress, right? Like everything's a work in progress. Nothing is, you know, I'm, Try not to be like, oh, this one thing is going to solve your problems and you're going to go on one hike and you're going to never have a poor relationship with your body or food again. That it's, it's a, some days are better than others. I am human just like everyone else. Um, but it definitely has helped a lot. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've loved this whole conversation. Is there any one last piece of advice you'd love to leave everyone with today? Give yourself permission to love yourself and to do you and to be important in your own life. I think that's, really huge. And, you know, your body is incredible. And if, you know, train and take care of it and feed it in a way that aligns with you, not because don't eat out of hatred 
for yourself. Like, oh, I'm going to eat all the kale because I hate myself. Eat the kale because you love yourself and you want to give yourself something nutritious. Eat the donut because you love yourself and it's a tasty snack. Eat out of enjoyment and that kind of place of love and light almost, um, not to sound very cheerleady in that sense, but, and our bodies are capable of doing incredible things and take care of it because that, you know, I like to tell my um, audience, a rolling stone gathers no moss. I get a lot of folks who are older and who, you know, maybe have injuries or think that they're too old to start hiking or things like that. And what I always tell you is, a rolling stone gathers no moss. Like if you're going to continue staying stagnant, waiting for one magical day to do this, that's where you're going to stay. And that's not going to help you versus if you get into action and start being active, start taking care of yourself, start supporting your body to create the life that you want. You're going to have a much different reality than if you just continue waiting for one day. And you really do. You only have so many days on this earth. Let's be real here, you know, not to get morbid or anything, but why wait for one day to go do the things you want to do? Start today. Yes. Well, that is great advice to leave us off on. Thank you so much for joining us, Jenny. Where can people find you, your programs, all of that? Yeah. So I am Limitless Hiker across all the channels. I have a blog, Limitless Hiker. Um, I've got my Instagram, Limitless Hiker, Facebook, Limitless Hiker. Um, I have a course called Limitless Hiker Academy, which teaches you how to go backpacking. So yeah, just Limitless Hiker. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.